continuing in our Fuego series, Life in the Holy Spirit, and uh, we've heard from Magiel and Uriel and Erica, and now it's my task today to speak out of the passage of Acts 2, which is the Pentecost, marks the pen what the church calls the Pentecost, and we're actually not in the second Sunday of Pentecost, but we're in the third Sunday of Pentecost, uh, which is when the Holy Spirit visits the disciples of Jesus after he ascended into heaven in the upper room. The upper room, uh, if you know, is uh, where whenever the disciples and Jesus visited Jerusalem, um, they went to the upper room and stayed and had a meal. That's where the Last Supper was. That's uh, where they hung out. And so here they are after all the events of Jesus's death and resurrection, Jesus giving them last instructions and then Jesus ascending into heaven, and this is Acts 1, if you want to read back. Acts 1, Jesus gives them final instructions, and then he's taken up into heaven. And in Acts 2, all the believers, the followers, the disciples are in the upper room waiting, because Jesus had said before he left, wait on the promised gift of the Holy Spirit. I'm going away from you now, but I'm sending to you a comforter. I'm sending to you the Holy Spirit. So wait for me. And I don't know about you, but I'm a very impatient person, so I don't like waiting. Right? What do we do in waiting? We tap our feet. We sigh. We get restless. We do. Some of us do stupid things if we're waiting a long time and um, grow impatient. But the disciples are kind of waiting, right? The person that they had been following, this Jesus, is no longer physically present with them. On top of that, they're being persecuted, right? And so they're living in fear. They're living kind of like Gideon in the Old Testament, threshing wheat in, a, in the bottom of a well, right? In the well. They're in hiding, waiting, like, when will this comforter come? What's going to happen next? The question is, what next? Dot, dot, dot. And they're living in the dot, dot, dot. And that's when Pentecost happens. And just to give a little context for Pentecost, Pentecost in the, in the Greek, the Greek word means 50, basically. So it marks the 50th day after Passover begins. 50th day after Passover begins is Pentecost. And so um, this has significance because this connects it to a lot of stuff that's happening, uh, stuff in the Old Testament during the Exodus. Um, during the Exodus, when God gives the law through Moses to the people at Mount Sinai, it's the 50th day after Passover. Remember, Passover began with the Exodus, leaving Exodus, right? Leaving Egypt and the people of God are gathered around Sinai, and they're kind of waiting for the, what's next, right? And God, there's a cloud, fiery cloud on the mountain. And Moses ascends, gets the law on tablets, and comes down and presents it to the people. And so there's this natural connection uh, with Exodus, between Acts 2 and Exodus 19, around these 50 days, Pentecost, right? And we'll get more into that a little more. Uh, but have you ever misunderstood someone or not heard them right? 
This happens to me all the time because I think maybe I'm a little attention deficit, maybe I'm not really good at listening, or but sometimes I know the person is saying something to me in English. It's actually in English, but it sounds like a foreign language. Have you, have you experienced that before? They're like, they're like, and you're like, what? Are you speaking to me in Spanish or in Mandarin? What's going on? And it's getting awkward now because you're like, what? Excuse me, can you repeat yourself? Come again? And after about four times, it's kind of like, you can't keep asking them to repeat themselves because something's wrong. It's gotten to a point of awkwardness that you can't return from. And so you just smile and nod your head. Yeah, <laughs> right? And what they were asking you is, are you having a good day? But you can't, you just can't decide, you can't put the words together. It sounds like a foreign language. And you're like, what are they saying? So you say, yes. And thankfully, the answer was correct, right? Not, it wasn't a question of what's your name. If they had said, what's your name? And you said, yes. They knew, they would know that you weren't listening to them. And so we get into these awkward moments. When I was a kid growing up, I used to mumble a lot. And I, I still think I say things under my breath sometimes when I'm not sure of myself or I really am afraid or don't want to give the answer. I kind of mumble under my breath. Right? And people are like, what? What? What are you saying? Blah, 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 blah. Right? And uh, people would continue to say, what? And my dad would be, what? 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 And he'd go for like hours. What? What? I did What? Ah, oh, forget about it. Just forget about it. Right? We misunderstand each other a lot. And a lot of it has to do with not being able to audibly hear correctly. Not being able to take what the wind, the wind and the tongue and the lips and the teeth, how it's creating vibrations and sound and coming out to formulate words in order to communicate, those are not going into our eardrums and those three bones in there and your, your eardrum, vibrating them correctly to be interpreted by your brain as a coherent sentence, a coherent statement. And it's just not, you're just not understanding correctly. And if we lived in a world where we didn't really hear all the time and really understood uh, what people were saying. Some, some things would be disastrous, right? Amen? You think about air traffic controllers, right? If an air traffic controller mumbled and the, and the pilot mumbled, it would be a disaster. Planes would be crashing into each other, right? Oh, Alaska 627. What? 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 Boom. We need communication. We need to understand because we're not alone, right? We're creatures in community. We're creatures that live together, right? We, we are social creatures and society needs order. Society needs communication. Society needs us to be able to uh, pass on information and data to one another in order to function, in order to survive, in order to ensure the safety of a whole group of people. But so many times we have 
auditory disconnect. We have a break in communication. And I think that the history of the church, and if you see, look in scripture, it's the story of people, right, having auditory disconnect with their God and with one another. With their God and with one another. And when you see the division um, that happens in the world, or you see divisions that happen in our country, or even divisions among Christians who are supposed to believe the same Jesus, or supposed to believe the same God, and yet it seems like there's so many, the camp, the separate camps are so different, or have such different convictions that the two can never meet. There's a disconnect. And we're starving for unity that only God can give. We're starving for a connection, a reconciliation, a togetherness, a family that only Jesus can bring. Because, right, Satan and the world is all about cacophony, is all about separation, is all about chasms, is all about, right, auditory uh, disconnect. So in context, as we enter Acts 2 and this day of Pentecost in the upper room, um, Acts itself is a historical narrative of the rise and progress of the early church in Jerusalem. Um, and the early church, um, when Jesus ascends into heaven, he says, wait for the promised Holy Spirit. And I am going to send you out to be my witnesses to Jerusalem, to Rome, to the ends of the earth, right? And so he sets out the seed, the vision of the kingdom, of God's future mission, right? I'm going, but it's going to continue, right? And I'm going to give you a roadmap. I'm going to give you this Holy Spirit that's going to empower you and send you out to be voices, to the world, right? If Luke and Luke, Luke and Acts is written by Luke, right? And many say it's basically part one and part two of the gospel of Luke Acts. And so if Luke is about the life of the ministry of Jesus and his march to Jerusalem, everyone is going to Jerusalem, Jesus is going to Jerusalem, and the culmination of his mission and his identity is going to come into confrontation with the religious leaders in Jerusalem and his crucifixion and resurrection, then the rest, the part two, Acts is about the apostles taking the gospel and the good news and everything that Jesus told them about, about loving one another, about loving people around them, about how God loves them and how he loves them and how he died for them and he died to save the world. Everything to take that from Jerusalem, then to Rome, the empire that surrounded, to the ends of the earth, right? The plan is opening up, and this is how, this is the same plan, mind you, in Scripture. When, Je in, in, when God in Genesis calls to himself a people, a family, right? But God doesn't call a people, a family of Abraham and 
you know, Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and all those people. He doesn't call his people just to be this elite, segregated, separated, right, country club. Right? The call and the promise and the covenant of being God's people was always about, I am going to bless you. My presence will be with you. My presence will be with you. And I will take you, I'll take care of you, and I'll take you into this land, and I'll bless you. But what? So you can be a blessing to others. Right? God never chooses his people into himself so they can just be like, I'm in the gold club. You're not in the gold club. Only I can be in this club wearing my gold shoes. Right? <laughs> it's, I'm going to give you gold shoes so that everyone else will want gold shoes and get to dance with gold shoes because they know you. And you're sharing your gold shoes with them. And everyone is going to do gold shoe tap dancing. Right? That is God's purpose in drawing a family and creating a family to himself so that his people can be a blessing to all nations. And this hasn't changed when we look at Acts. Right? You begin to see that the purpose of the Holy Spirit is God's presence among his people to go into Jerusalem, go to Rome, and to the ends of the earth to be voices, to be live witnesses and testimonies of gold shoes. Gold shoes equals gospel, right? <laughs> to be gold shoes to tap dance around the world and to start parties and invite other people to the party and say, hey, Jesus, who wore gold sandals, wants to be with you, wants to love you. Will you come? And wear gold sandals with us together. Amen? And the problem is, oftentimes when we select people and choose people and create a um, separated out group, the purpose, the original purpose of that separation, being separated out to be a holy people, gets lost. Right? Because people's is people. And people are like, oh, I'm separated out because I'm good, right? I'm in the good club. I'm in the, I'm in the nice club. I'm in the popular club. Right? I remember in first grade, I, I was a good reader. Uh, early on, I was a good reader. But I was in a new school, and they placed me in, like, the blue reading and, but that wasn't the highest reading group. The highest reading group was the gold reading group. And I remember being put in the uh, blue reading group, and I was so mad, right? Because everything, even that young, I was like competitive. I have to be in the highest reading group, right? Because my dad said I have to be in the highest reading group, right? And so I'd be like, gold reading group, gold reading group, right? But they put me in the blue reading group because they didn't know me, so I was mad, I was mad. And then finally, I like told the teacher, and she uh, she's like, "Okay, let let's start reading in the gold reading group." And so we rat. So I sat down with the gold reading group, um, and we started to read, go around, and read like a paragraph of this book. And so when it came to my time, I was like, "Yeah, I'm gonna prove I'm a good reader." So I'm reading, whatever. The birds are flying in the blue sky. 
and they perch upon the green limbs. And the boat is on the blue okeen. And then all the other kids just start cracking up. And I'm like, what okeen? It's like, what is okeen? They're like, ocean! And I, turn, I remember turning bright red. And everything in me was like, oh, feeling shame and embarrassment. And like, I blew my chance. And I didn't show them. I, I mispronounced ocean. And I'm supposed to be a gold reading group person. And I was like, ah! Right? And uh, because that sense, that desire to be in the elite, that desire to be in the highest place, right, wasn't fulfilled. And I was embarrassed. And that's the problem that comes when a people are set apart, is they begin to see their specific ethnicity or their specific culture or their specific rules and rituals and regulations as the reason why they're set apart, the reason why they're the chosen people. And anyone else who wants to be chosen has to either have this blood or has to assimilate into these same traditions, these same rituals, these same ways of being. And the people of Israel, all throughout scripture, all through their history, have lost their witness and the original call to be fruitful and multiply and bless the world and be a blessing to all nations, amen? We're gonna make some more connections here. And so when you hear, look at Pentecost, Imagine, we're having a peaceful day in the sanctuary, and then a hurricane just comes through here. Those, those glass, what are they called? Stained glass. glass windows just shatter, and a howling wind goes, right? And people, it's like those Bose commercials where the speaker, you know, you wear your glasses and you're, you're in a wind tunnel, and like oh, Leo is flying away, and, and Margarita's like grabbing his ankle, ah! and everyone's ah! like, you see that on the YouTube video, turbulence videos and airlines. There was recently one that was released, and like the stewardess just like, or the flight attendant just like hits the ceiling, and the cart, like the food cart, goes up in the air and like lands on someone in a seat. Like that's a heavy cart, right? that force and just, if that was happening here, the chaos, the howling, right? Definitely there'd be a disconnect in hearing, right? An auditory disconnect. No longer would you be thinking about listening to the sermon. Everything would be chaos. We'd be heading for the doors. And that's the type of interruption that happens as the apostles and the disciples are waiting in the upper room there's been stillness, there's been a what next, dot, dot, dot. And then the wind comes and action happens, right? And they're disrupted. Physically, there's a disruption. And all through this passage, there's this theme of speaking and hearing, audition, auditory, the auditory sense, and speaking and language and saying, right? And so what happens is suddenly a sound, right? That's audition. Suddenly a sound like a blowing of violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there are tongues, right? 
In the Greek, it's, there's a lot of the words that are about speaking or tongues that are similar, so they actually sound the same, right? So tongues of fire separated, that separated, came to rest on each one of the disciples, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak, again, speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Again, in verse 6, when they heard this sound, once again, that's the hearing, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard in their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native tongue language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents in Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, and Pamphylia, Egypt, and, uh, and other parts of Libya near Cyrene. Poor Casey got drawn into reading the scripture today because <laughs> Macgill couldn't. Right? That's the list. That's a list you have to practice. <laughs> And because there's, it's so many areas, right? We'll get into that. Uh, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring, speaking, the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they ask one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said they have had too much wine. So this hearing and speaking, hearing and speaking, hearing and speaking. And in fact, after this, Peter gives the very first sermon ever given in the church in Acts 2, 14 through 41. He gives this speech debriefing this miraculous event that happens of the inbreaking of the Holy Spirit. And he talks about um, he talks about uh, this power and interprets it based on the, the scripture story and this Jesus, right? When we read scripture, we're meant to connect the dots with, of the great story that goes through scripture. Not just give one dot and say, this is what we're supposed to do. We connect the dots and that's what Peter does in the sermons is, see all this happening? This is connected to that Jesus guy, which is connected to that God person and Moses and all of that. It's all connected. So we have the hearing and the speaking. And the other interplay that's happening, the other imagery that's happening in this passage is that between individual, the individual, individuation, individuation, and unity, right? So on a day of Pentecost, they, what does it say? They were all together in one place. They are all in unity, a group of people in one place. But these tongues of fire come and the fire were separated and into individual flames that went over each individual person. So unity, oneness, but individual. Are you seeing this? 
all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit, but began to speak in other tongues. Right? So again, all of them were together filled with the Holy Spirit. They were together and held this in common, but they spoke in different tongues. There's the individual. So they're staying in Jerusalem and God-fearing Jews from every nation of, under heaven. Again, here's the diversity, the individualism, right? They were a diverse multi-ethnic group around. The crowd that's gathering is a diverse multi-ethnic group, but they were God-fearing Jews. So they were Jews that were uh, residing in other places, all, this whole list in the diaspora. Or they were people that grew, weren't, didn't grow up um, ethnically Jewish, but they became converted to Judaism, and they're coming into Jerusalem, which is another reason the Pentecost is important, the 50th day, because during these feasts, the three feasts, during Passover and following Passover, Jerusalem would have swelled to hundreds and thousands of Jews coming from other places visiting, right? They're all, the, the population of Jerusalem is swelling up and they're visiting. And so you have people from all over the place. It's like if you went to a community college just down the street, right? You would see people from many nations in one institution studying, coming to this country to study, right? The world in our back porch. That's what's happening here in Jerusalem during Pentecost and Passover is the world as they knew it, the known world, was in their city, in their back porch. And that's the point. So again, all of these cities, when they heard the sound, they came together, the crowd, it was one crowd. Many different languages, many different people heard this sound and came together as one crowd, but they heard their own heart language. They heard their own tongue being spoken. Right? Just to give an example of this, is growing up, I used to love it, be relieved when I got a lecture from my dad in English. Right? He speaks English pretty well, but it's not his native tongue. It's not his heart language. But I knew I was in big trouble when my father switched from English to Korean, right? Because he was one, more comfortable with it, two, faster in Korean, and three, Korean just sounds harsher, right? It's like scary. So when my dad switched to Korean, it was like, oh no! It's like, oh! <laughs> so, um, scary, because it was this hard tongue, and there's more fire and passion and gut in it. And this is what's happening in this moment. People were like, oh? Right? Yeah, we speak Greek or Aramaic or whatever's being spoken in Jerusalem, but now we understand in our mother tongue, right? It's like, ooh, that's my heart language. That's my people language. That's my heartstrings are being touched. Do you get what I'm saying? Right? And they're hearing the gospel being spoken, and their heartstrings are being tugged. And this 
individuation, this individual, right, this particularness is actually drawing the crowd into oneness, right? Because they're standing in wonder and awe. How is it that each one of us hears in our native language? We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. And this wonders of God, right? This is going to connect us to Babel, right? Because at Babel, the sin at Babel is that they were declaring the, not the wonders of God with their hands, but they were wanting to declare the wonders of their own hands, right? By building up this tower. Let's show everyone how great we are and build this great tower, right? When the purpose was to, build, to demonstrate, give glory to the wonders of God, the creator God, they were like, let us build something for us, to give glory to us, and they build this monolith, right? And that's where what? In Genesis, God mixes their language, so they get confused, and they disperse, and they can't finish their project. God says, you want to be, you want to declare your wonders? Bam! Let me mix your languages. Right? And a lot of people, when they speak about Babel, they talk about it as a curse. Like that culture and language, creating different cultures and languages is another curse. You know? As a, as a punishment for sin. And then they say, oh, Acts is reverse Babel. But if you follow it logically, that doesn't make sense, right? Because in, in Acts, God affirms language. God affirms the diversity of language and cultures, right? It doesn't say they all spoke one language and all of a sudden people had the ability to, they had the universal translator, right? They could understand the one language. No. The disciples spoke in many different languages that they never grew up speaking. They didn't learn how to speak those many languages. But the miracle was that then people recognized their own languages of their mother tongue. So Acts is not the reversal of Babel. It's the affirmation of Babel, right? And so one professor tells me, it's, Babel is not the curse Babel and the mixing of languages and cultures is actually the blessing in disguise, is the mercy of God, right? Because you people are going to destroy yourselves pursuing your own hubris. And so let me mix the languages, right? So you're going to actually have to like work with each other and ultimately figure things out, right? In order to... You need something else. You need me. You need the Holy Spirit. You need other things to unify you. Are you with me, church? So what's happening here is God's witness. The Holy Spirit is pushing the mission and the church is growing the church. But this, what this growth is looking like is, what the plan is looking like is, God wants to bust the good news, gospel, the message of Jesus out from its cultural entanglements and bust it out, right? To, to go further, right? Further out, further out. 
to other nations. Imagine these people hearing the gospel in their own language are able to go back to their hometowns, right, their home countries, and tell the story, tell their people, and the, the gospel takes root. The gospel takes root. The kingdom of heaven is like a sower who spreads a seed, and it grows. the garden grows up. And this is what the Holy Spirit is doing. It's empowering our speaking and enabling our hearing so that the diversity comes together as one body in, in unity, right? Unity and diversity. This is what we're talking about. Not just diversity for diversity's sake, right? Diversity for diversity's sake is, oh, David goes to SVU, John Crozier is a photographer, and he's tasked with getting a picture of David. Because we need to show that we have Asian people at SPU Seminary, right? That's diversity for diversity's sake. Like, put it on a poster, we are the colorful rainbow. Unity for unity's sake is, I don't care how you're different, right? Just get on board. Let's all get along. Let's all be happy and together. Why are you disagreeing? Why are you causing drama? Don't play the race card, or don't, don't say this or that, right? You're, you're rocking the boat. Just come into this melting pot. We're a melting pot, right? Just blend in. Don't be different, right? Women in the workplace, right? Don't, don't complain. If you, wanna, if you wanna lead, just talk like a man, be like a man, lead like a man, right? Get what I'm talking about? Yes. So unity for unity's sake isn't either. True unity, true reconciliation happens when we honor the mother tongues and the distinct diversity in the community. And the world doesn't have an answer for that. Yes. Right? You can't do it on your own power. This is the power of God through the Holy Spirit that makes the miracle of bringing diversity together into oneness. And this is the truth in our church as well. We can say we are pursuing being a multi-ethnic church, but it requires the power of the Holy Spirit to unify things, amen? We can't do it on our own. It only happens when the Holy Spirit opens the hearts of people in this place to understand Jesus' love in their heart language. And I, as one person, can't speak to every single person in their uniqueness, right? I'm a pretty, you know, I'm a pretty savvy guy, but I'm pretty sure I don't hit everyone, right? Are you with me, church? And I'm going to come to a close here. The tongues of fire divide and disperse themselves over each person who sat together in one place. Maybe these followers of Jesus have been huddled together the whole time since his ascension, obeying the instructions to wait for the gift. The effect of the tongues of fire, however, is one of an individuation which contrasts with the image of unity 
given by the waiting together as well as the following movement where all are filled with the Holy Spirit. Distinctiveness and diversity. However, are again introduced as the disciples begin to speak in different tongues, serving the wide range of dialects represented by Luke's geographic list. And yet the sound of this diversity is the very thing which draws the throng together, the crowd, another motion towards unity. Why would Luke introduce this tension of separation and unity? There is an echo of the story of the Tower of Babel, like I said. In the narrative, the diversification of tongues is used to confuse and thwart the hubris of humankind. Here in Acts, however, the separation of languages draws people closer. Could this be the reason why Luke mentions the wonders of God? In the Babel story, the people exchange the wonders of God for the wonders of their own hands. In Acts, the power of language proclaims the wonders of God. How are the reverence of God's mystery and the posture of waiting and receiving from him at play here? Our churches and ministries need to move beyond a shallow, colorless notion of unity to become spirit-filled communities of faith that have a savvy recognition of diversity and ultimate, ultimately possess a deep value for all ethnicities and cultures. The inbreaking of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost marks a drawing in of Jews from the ends of the earth. And this powerful uniting through individualized, culturally specific and a miraculous appeal, the church is born. It is a church marked by radical commonality. The spirit poured out among this church will push it from Jerusalem to Rome and to the ends of the earth. Now, as individuals, all of us have been given gifts from our Father. All of us have traits from the great God creator, because we're a part of his creation. We're a part of his family. And you may feel like, oh, if I put that out there, no one will care. If I put my gift or my talent out there, no one cares, no one can hear it, no one can listen, right? But what we see with the disciples is they didn't even have the gift of the language. They hadn't even learned it and the Spirit empowered them to speak in languages other people understood. What more can God do with what you already have and think is insignificant, right? You, you remember Moses saying, I can't lead the people of Israel because I do not know how to speak. And God is like, I can take care of that, but if you insist on complaining, here's Aaron. He's eloquent. And many of us may feel that. I have nothing to offer. I'm not eloquent. I'm not articulate. I don't have a personality. I'm not social. Right? But the Spirit empowers each of us to go. Right? And be witnesses to the ends of the earth. Witnesses to your neighborhood. Witnesses to your neighbors. Witnesses down the block. Witnesses about the community of faith that he's building in this place. Go and be my witnesses to Jerusalem and Rome and beyond because I will empower you, right? 
And one last thing is, we're not all gonna have howling wind moments, right? right? We all have those retreat moments, right? Where this amazing miracle happens. And don't get me wrong, those miracles happen all the time in the world. And God manifests his power, especially outside of the Western world, outside of the United States. You hear about the casting out of demons, people being healed, people actually being raised to life from the dead in other parts of the world, right? And those happen. But also, the epic, spirit-filled, Holy Spirit life is like what Erica said, is, is not always glamorous. Sometimes it's the everyday things in our lives, amen? And being faithful to what God has given us and blowing on it, investing in it, practicing it, right? And doing it where he empowers you to be more than you are just on yourself. But we step out. And imagine the disciples. Whoa, I'm speaking. It's like a Neil. I know Kung Fu, right? <laughs> I speak Russian now. And in that moment, they could feel really afraid and just stop and self-conscious. But no, they can speak Russian, they can speak a different language, and they keep speaking, right? In the same way, you may feel self-conscious with what God has given you to share and to speak out, right? But the call of faith and the courage is to ride the wave of the Holy Spirit and keep going, keep speaking, keep putting it out there, and God will be.